Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You are listening to Missed Apex iRacing Podcast. Let's get faster. Welcome to Missed Apex iRacing Podcast, part of the Missed Apex Podcasting Network. We do F1 stuff, we've got W Series stuff coming up. We used to do Formula E stuff until the one guy who knew about Formula E got a real job and is now busy. That's Chris Stevens. Chris isn't on today. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by Brad. Hang on, let's try and do it in a trumpet style. Brad Philpot. No, it's not quite the same. Hey, Brad. Good evening, Spanners. I'm very happy to be sat here, tucked up in the warm whilst it's raining outside. But you know where it never rains? iRacing. It never rains in the sim, Brad. And you've got a brand new sim. We'll get into some details later. But uh, the TLDR is all happy with your new rig? Yeah, the TLDR is SimLab have sorted me out and I'm very happy. (laughs) Thanks, SimLab. The only way to do iRacing. I don't know. I don't know if you wanted to like roll with like an ad. But they're like, they're your sim rig partner now i guess yeah they are i asked how they would like to be referred to they were kind of quite chilled so yeah sim rig partner or um or sim sponsor that's sim lab well any friend of yours is a is a friend of ours brad as long as they end up eventually sending me sim rig stuff i'd settle for one of those things that you can attach to it to have your like keyboard or laptop mounted on oh well i got one of those in the post from them this week and it won't go on my rig because there's not enough room in this in this room here. So would you like it? It's brand new. You can have the keyboard mount. Yay! It was worth doing this show already, but it's also worth doing the show just so I can speak to Matt to Rumpet. See, that works better. And when you say speak, I think you really mean gloat after this week's races. Now we can talk about our Okayama adventures in F3. Uh, Brad, uh, you're not participating in F3 this season, are you? You're still doing your F1. F3 is for crazy people who like danger. <laughs> These, I, I nearly got to that point. I had uh, the Tuesday. So we do our swarm. We do Monday practice. And on the Monday night, by the way, I didn't realize you could do this. You can create a session from scheduled future sessions. And I didn't know that because Kyle normally sets up our sessions. He couldn't do it for whatever reason. And so I jumped on and he talks me through it. You go to, You can go to create a session from the schedule so you just go to whatever is the next event even if it's not currently running and it will like give you the correct sim day uh, it will run at the same sort of time as the officials really useful for future training 
Yeah, I've found that with uh, with my own personal testing with the Formula One. Um, just go to like the official sessions and click solo race, and then you can do it all with the correct settings. You don't have to worry about it. It's great. You can also do that for group sessions as well. So that's very handy. I didn't know that that's how Kyle and Sam had been managing these sessions that we have on the Monday. We do the track that is then going to be the officials from Tuesday onwards. So we were doing um, an Okayama training session. And Brad, I, I give you full credit for all of this. For the first time in a long time, I think I was within the same second as like the top people. So like, I think people, the top people were getting 21s, low 21s, and I was in the 21s. And I don't think that's happened for a while. So I was very happy. I'm very proud. And if you need any more help, just let me, in fact, mind you just start a podcast and then we can, we can answer your personal questions on that podcast. This is, this is the only reason this podcast exists at the moment. But I will say, like, I do try to be a good student. All the advice you've given us over the course of this podcast, I have absorbed it and I've tried to apply it the very next time. So last week we were talking about attacking and defending. I've instantly put that to good use on track as well. So we've got uh, that to talk about, a bit more attacking and defending stuff. We're going to talk about how to behave around blue flags, a little bit more into your rig as well. But first of all, I think I want to start off with our Okayama adventures. Because I was within a second of the aliens that practice with us, I, I went, right, I'm going to put aside a bunch of time this week. Finally, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a track in the officials where I can go forwards and not backwards. So I put aside time, even on the Tuesday, to do three races. And, and that is not a, it's not a small commitment. You know, you have to, especially when you've got a family, you've got to put aside work. You've got to uh, face the wrath of the spouse. And you've got to be an extra good parent so that no one whinges at you. Uh, but my adventures, Matt, were uh, I got hit by two spinners in the first race, and that was for second place. I then got tapped from behind in the second race and uh, no damage, but managed to fight my way to ninth. And then the third race, I just got completely wiped out on the start line by those two people that were doing fancy clutch starts. And one of them just didn't get away at all and was just like spinning on the spot. And the other one veered across the track and a, a grand total of about 15 people just got wiped out on the grid. Yeah, it's starting to sound a lot like my Wednesday adventures, if I'm being honest, which I I don't know what it is about. Maybe it's just because it's a free track. So you get even extra people who don't normally do the series. But uh, up until Okayama, I'd had one or two minor contacts at most and had yet to be relegated to the pit lane and, and seriously lose position. And I did two races. And in both of them, I was out on the first lap through absolutely no fault of my own was that on our club night was that on wednesday yeah it was um first first corner first time out i was right behind you in fact and guy just came flying into me as i was breaking <laughs> for the first corner second one i made it all the way to turn four the guy went really slow so i went wide of him to avoid contact and someone thought oh look i can pass there was unable to break and steer and just like drove right over me and broke my wheel now, Brad, on one of the early episodes of this podcast, we did talk about our kind of attitudes to lap one. And I'm trying to be super proactive now off the grid because I, I tend to live in fear of that hit. But I think like Matt, I went through a phase of being hit from behind. I think from, I'm not suggesting you were doing this, Matt, but from kind of being so cautious to not hit, hit the car in front that maybe I was causing something in the back. Um, but now I'm actively looking to gain places and I, I don't know what your approach is in, in a public mad lobby like Formula 3, but I'm like, no, 
I've just got to try and gain places, stop worrying about it. I, I'm certainly getting taken out when I try to be safe anyway. So I may as well try and be proactive. Um, I'm happy to hear that you're um, you're kind of looking forward a bit more now because you have historically been yes. Mr. Cautious. Uh, yeah, personally, I'm. it depends where you start on the grid, really, and, and what the race is. But I am quite risk averse at turn one if the race matters, because a little bit like with real life Formula One last week uh, with Lewis backing out when Max Verstappen chopped his nose off. Yeah. If you if you're confident in your pace, uh, you know, the race is long, it's certainly longer than the first corner. So it's nice to be around at the end, especially in a track like Okayama, where it's actually quite difficult to overtake. There's you can kind of get dragged down that main back straight. But if you don't do it there, you can get stuck for a whole lap again. So, you know, a track like that is more important. I guess we get a glimpse into what Formula One drivers get at Monaco or uh, Barcelona. Yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily compare Okayama, which I, I would have said has quite a few overtaking spots. Oh, not for uh, me. I wouldn't quite compare it to Monaco, but yeah, I, I take your point. Uh, actually, I really struggled, Matt. I don't know how you found it. I I think I was stuck in some battles with people with lower downforce settings than me, and I would catch them through the twisty bits. And even if I got a better run down the back straight, you know, they, they'd even manage to creep away a little bit. You know, I'd initially catch them, and then I'm like, why why isn't the toe working? Yeah, I had a similar uh, issue. The, I mean, my my thing was kind of weird uh, because, of course, I wasn't actually racing anyone on the same lap. But uh, I think we'll talk about that in a bit. But I I found the same thing that even when I had a really good pace advantage over people uh, down the straights, I think a lot of them were running um, lower down for us, so it was really hard to get the kind of overlap you needed to pass like into the hairpin at the end of the back stretch or into turn one although i could i did go around the outside on turn one at least once on somebody yeah i mean, do you, are you can you recall turn one okiyama in your mind brad at the moment yeah unfortunately yeah. i've had to do loads of laps at okiyama <laughs> over the years so yes it's not my favorite track but i know it well it's a really interesting turn because when we were first doing the mx5s i very much felt it was kind of a turn where you carried a lot of speed in whereas with the f3 you you almost are on top of the corner before you do anything and you're breaking loads into the corner. So my first instinct is break nice and early and then and then build that speed and grip up as you go through the corner. But when I ended up just diving to the apex, breaking a lot later and just holding the brakes, wrapping myself around the apex and, and then getting back on the power, suddenly, you know, that was about half a second difference. And it, it was just, it was counterintuitive and it was kind of like the turn four at Barcelona, the right-hander on the on the top of the hill. After the sweeping big famous right-hander, it's one of those corners where you're actually getting back on the power quite early, like much earlier than you'd think. So, you know, an early apex, hard on the brakes, getting back on the power. It's not instinctive. It's not intuitive. That corner seems to go on forever. And it's it's got a very, very fast, very important left-hander straight afterwards, yeah. which you need to have got in position for so it's quite tricky isn't it like you can as you say it invites you to go in a bit too fast you could then end up going really deep understeering wide and then you're you're not in the correct position for the next corner so yeah it is important to to get it right yeah okay well yeah i had to be brave on the brakes there but um yeah it was nice nice to have that pace and i ended up going forward in the races and attacking people and fighting up the front which is great i got my first my first podium in forever which was good 
And I, I wasn't spending the whole race in my mirrors, which was also a lovely bonus. But I also filed my first protest because I was stuck behind a slightly slower car around Okayama. Like I was saying to Matt there, couldn't get past on the straights, was, was stuck on all the twisty bits. And he was defending very aggressively. So he was more than happy to Verstappen, you know, the Verstappen nose chop on exit, the Hamilton and Verstappen nose chop. He was happy to do stuff like that. He was happy to slow up on the corners, as we were talking about last week, in quite unpredictable ways. He was essentially racing and defending better than I could handle it. When I eventually got a run on him, side by side, helped by a back marker, I eventually got on the inside of him of the big long straight in Okayama, down towards the hairpin called Hairpin. Just before the braking zone, I've got my front wing alongside him, and he just rolls all the way over to the side of the road until I've got no space and I have to either break or get on the grass. I get on the grass, half spin, lose a few places. So I thought that's worthy of a protest because he's li- he's done literally what Rosberg did in Barcelona in 2016, whatever, when he when Hamilton then ended up keeping his foot in to, to make sure he took them both out, allegedly. So I put that protest in. It's quite a, it's quite a relatively easy process. It, it helps if you know how to do a bit of video editing and a bit of video cutting. But I thought that is an absolute shoo-in. He was also taunting me a bit on the on the chat, going, every time I tried to overtake, he had a preset that would go, love you. So I'd try to overtake, he'd like chop chop me off, and he'd go, love you, or with a smiley emoji. So I, I think he knows what he's doing. I think it, it was clearly deliberate from the video. I will post a link to the YouTube incident in the notes. But the protest came back. Nah, he didn't mean it. It wasn't malicious. You're all right. But thanks for your thanks for your protest. So I replied back saying, well, it's good to know that I can also do that in the future then. And I'm glad because it'll be much easier to defend now knowing that I can just drive all the way across the track. But anyway, I I think the bar for what is a successful protest is pretty high. I think that iRacing stewarding just needs to be understood. You know, I don't think you can treat it as completely fair. There There are things that you can get away with which are definitely not fair there are things which you should be allowed to get away with like you know touching the grass with a wheel that you're not allowed to get away with um so i think you just have to basically take it for what it is and um i think probably the main risk in that defense if you were to take on that strategy and do it yourself is is not everyone will drive on the grass to get out of the way if it's someone else and not you that driver may well have just been spun around. So it was self-policing just, in a way. It was just instinct though, because it feels so real when you're in there and you go, oh, someone's moving towards me. I need to avoid it. But like we used to sh- scream on Mist Apex podcast at Rosberg saying, just leave your car there one time and Hamilton won't do it again. But the chances are I won't, I won't bump into that guy again. So he's not going to learn that lesson from me sacrificing my front wing. Can I just check what split this was out of interest? It was split two out of like seven, I think. Okay. Okay. So it's not like you're, I, I wouldn't have expected you to be in a particularly low split anyway, because yeah. you've got a respectable I rating. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, I think that's the kind of thing that once you get in the, the top split, hopefully you won't see too much of, although maybe if it's for the win, someone's going to be pretty robust like that. Uh, if you th- if you think the top split is is going to be significantly calmer than that and i think it is calmer than that in the afternoons so i will occasionally get in a top split in an afternoon or a lunchtime session then that is something to aspire to and this week with that bit of pace i have been able to kind of just nibble around the 2000 so i've been pinging above and below 2000 and what do you reckon matt about 23 2400 to get to 
top split of an evening? It, it'll it'll vary some, but I think in F three, yeah, twenty one hundred and over is is a good bet. Ooh, close. That's uh, that's worth aspiring to then. All right, so boo. I'm not happy with the protest system, and uh, and I am self fully self banning myself from the chat from the game chat now. Coming off it completely, I was doing disable while driving, but the flaw in that is if you get taken out, Matt. You, you, you're not driving anymore because you're in the pits. And that gives you a chance to come on and, and go, oi, no bed. And I thought I was being funny when the two guys who spun off using their funny clutch thing. And I went, oh, my God. He said, guys, you do realise people argue with their wives to get on these races. And there's you mucking around with your blinking clutch, what's it? And I go, oh, someone's just going to clip that out and go, listen to this sarky bugger. So I'm just, I'm just removing the mic input from iRacing altogether. I think you should go back later and do voiceovers because that that would have made me laugh if I'd heard it in game. Oh, that was brilliant. <laughs> well, you don't you don't know, do you? Because yes, someone might find that sarcasm funny, but I could also just be triggering this guy who's having an absolute nightmare, and he thought this double clutch thing or whatever was going to unlock his happiness. And I, it doesn't matter that I got didn't get the promotion again. It doesn't matter how much younger than me my manager is. If I can get this clutch start going, and then. To top it all off, some sucky git comes over and is like, mm, no bed. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just going to stop. I'm going to remove myself from that situation. Uh, but Brad, are we ready to talk about the clutch starts? Because I have been, I've been the victim. We'll let Matt just uh, jump in first. But I've been the victim of these, these clutch starts like three or four times now where someone has just been out of control and just speared into me on the grid. Yeah, I'm, I'm more than ready to talk about it. So... Unless Matt wants to add something, I can tell you all about double clutch starts. I can loop back to it later when okay. we talk about my adventures and blue flags. Roger that. No worries. We will get back to blue flags. Let's talk. Let's talk clutch starts. Somebody was it? I think it was Matt in the Slack group, uh, in our Patreon Slack group, was asking about uh, auto auto clutch. So basically, I've got an auto clutch. I don't use the clutch pedal on my rig at all. The light goes red. I go to first gear. And then I guess when it goes green, I just press the accelerator and iRacing lets me get away with that. That's the only assist I use as well as obviously auto blip. Basically, that's that's what I'm doing. I'm doing a bit of a Billy way. Firstly, you know, are you judging me? And secondly, uh, am I missing out? I'm, I'm not judging you at all. And Actually, you can get really good starts doing that. No throttle. And then when the lights go green, accelerate. You can get really good starts, obviously, depending what kind of car if you're in the Formula One car, I think you'll have too much torque and probably spin the wheels if you just floor the throttle. But the the concept is kind of the same. You can just accelerate away when it's time to go. But there's potential to get better starts if you start playing around with clutch bite points and slipping the clutch to the right point. And iRacing in the single seaters, Formula Three and Formula Renault and the Formula One, you have the option to have two clutches so you can either have this in fact you can you can assign it to anything you want but you can have it as a foot clutch or if you're fortunate enough to have hand paddle clutches you can assign it to those um, and you can cleverly set it so that one of those clutches is going to when you fully release it will bite exactly at the bite point you want so i'll explain how you do this in a moment but what that means is when you have another clutch which is a hundred percent clutch so it's like you've got your foot all the way to the floor in your road car on the clutch yeah. pedal when you drop that one and you're still holding the other paddle or or pedal down it will automatically go straight to the bike point and then the car will pull away at the optimal 
acceleration without too much wheel spin, without, you know, too few revs. You'll just get a really good start. And then you can slowly come off the second clutch yeah. once the car's moving, just like you would in Formula One okay. in real life. How, hang on. Formula One in real life, how many clutches do they have? So they've got two paddles um, underneath the two gear change paddles. So there's four paddles in the back of the steering wheel. And the two bottom ones, one of them will be exactly as I'm describing here. One of them will be 100% clutch depression. Yeah. And the other one will be set to a particular bike point. And that's what they're doing when they do their practice starts out of the pit lane or at the end of practice when they do it on the start line. They're trying to get the bike point setting correct. I can do this on my rig behind me as well. I've got an adjustable clutch bike point. So you can do lots of starts and each time you can pull away and think, okay, I've got a bit too much wheel spin. I'll adjust it so I've got more clutch slip on the second clutch. Then you try again. And then eventually, you'll, or quite quickly, you'll find the exact right bike point where you get the optimal launch. And then all you do is you start the, um, the race, the race event, you'll be sat on the grid and you'll have both clutches, both clutch paddles pulled in. Yeah. So you've got 100% clutch down effectively. When the lights go out or when the lights go green, you drop clutch one. So that gets the car moving mm-hmm. because it automatically bites goes on the, the bike second point, clutch. Yeah. And then you just gradually come off the second one. And once you've had a bit of practice with that, you can get really good starts. So I guess the, the risk is, so there's no risk to the, the first one. That's just off. That just gets you going. The skill then is to make sure if you come off it uh, too quickly, perhaps you're going to get the wheels spinning up. If you come off it too, uh, too slowly, you're going to bog down and, exactly, and, and, yeah. and struggle to kind of get away. Performance-wise, then, where is my normal just into first gear, letting iRacing do an auto clutch, basically, and then accelerating? So when I hit the accelerator, it kind of gradually lifts a clutch off in a fairly standard way. So um, am I am I more on the bogging down end now where I do it that way? Yeah, definitely, because you're starting with zero revs, effectively. Right. Whereas, whereas yeah. when I'm pulling away with the with the double clutch method, I'm on maximum revs. So Really? As soon as you drop, you know, you're, you're absolutely flat out on the rev limiter. As soon as you drop the clutch, you get a great launch. So the difference between a really good double clutch launch and your method, depending on the car, depending on how well the person's executed it, it's probably four, five car lengths. It's quite, it's quite significant. It's dramatic. Oh, yeah. oh no, that's it. Here's a new way for me to ruin race day coming up because I'm going to have to do this now, now that you've said it. Um, I, have, I haven't noticed many people using it, Matt. You do notice the odd ninja start. But generally, you're not too, I don't think you're too uh, disadvantaged doing it our way. No, I I think most people do it the way that we do it. I played around with this. Um, I actually helped Jeansy figure out how to do it because someone had told him about it. And and I tried it in some of our league races, league race practices. And what I found was essentially what Brad said is that if when all the conditions are right, you're overtaking two, three cars easily on the way to the corner but then you find yourself with problem number one you're now three wide into the first (laughs) corner because you're going faster and you have to be able to manage that but also as you mentioned if you don't get your parameters correct or crucially if let's say you go to a practice and it's cool and then you get in a race that's hot then those settings are not necessarily going to apply the same way. And that may have been what you saw in your race there with those uh, two people. So you've really got to kind of then do the practice starts in the practice session, just like the, just like they do in F1. So let's just establish this first, Brad. Is it, these settings are all in, in iRacing. This isn't some hack. These are just normal things you can do in iRacing. 
yeah, you've got the option of using two clutches. One of them is in your normal pedal calibration yeah. um, section yeah. where you where you calibrate your throttle brake and clutch. And the other one is in the controls tab and it'll, it'll say assign second clutch. And when you click on that, rather than it just being a button, like an on-off switch, it will allow you to actually assign uh. second clutch. You click on it and it'll come up with the similar kind of calibration box to what you have on the pedals box. So it is designed for this purpose because it's, you know, iRacing's realistic and these cars actually not necessarily a formula three car or a formula renault but yeah race cars often have two clutches certainly the formula one cars so, so it's not like a hack if i don't assign a second clutch and i'm on the line and i don't use auto clutch can i just be in neutral like in your car put the clutch down go into first gear and just do a normal clutch start like i would in my peugeot 2008 yes yeah you can okay you, and you can do would, would you recommend that over what i'm doing currently no, I actually think the way you're doing it currently is one of the better ways. It's yeah. consistent. That's one of the things you want. You don't want it to. You don't want to throw in a massive extra variable no. if you if you're not going to get a big gain for it. So you having to kind of slip a single clutch and, and pull away as you would in a in a normal car as fast as possible is going to be less consistent, and you'll probably get that more wrong than yeah. just using the current method you're using, where you just accelerate away. But the beauty of this double clutch system is you've prepared it in advance. You've checked the bite point. You know, you've done, every time I leave the pits, every single time I leave the pits in a session, I will pull away as if it's a race start to make sure I'm getting very used to how to come off of the second clutch. So Mm. um, now now there is, there is a, a hack in inverted commas to help you do this because not everybody has the benefit of a fancy steering wheel that has a clutch calibration dial on. Yeah, I um, don't. I don't have that. And my one's broken, so I don't have it either. My clutch calibration, so my second clutch on the steering wheel, uh, so I've got two paddles on the steering mm. wheel below the gear shifters, and I've got the foot clutch. I can't use my second clutch on the steering wheel with the lovely fancy adjuster wheel <laughs> because it just doesn't work. I think a wire has come loose inside the steering wheel. So I'm using a foot clutch as my second clutch. And what that means is, you have to go into the joy calib file in iRacing yeah. to eff- effectively set the maximum clutch travel as much further than it really is. And what that then does is you have, this is real trial and error. So you yeah. have to do this lots of times, then go back into iRacing and check where your blue clutch bar is. Right. Until you get it to a point that is correct. And you effectively just type in a number that's bigger than the actual travel of your clutch. Um, and that means that when you put it all the way to the floor, it's actually not all the way depressed. It's kind of halfway or wherever you set it for the bike point. Okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop us there now that we've got into Joy Calib files and that. I think we're now. I think we're we're heading into technical YouTube video territory here. Um, for the minute, I'm not convinced, but I would like to try this. I think out of curiosity, Matt. And then I think you would apply it that if you're fifteenth, don't bother. If you're third on the grid, get in. Yeah, well, as Brad says, it really does come down to consistency. And uh, with the kinds of systems where you can just use the dial and find the bite point, it's easier to be consistent. When you have to go in and edit this file, which essentially, it's the same thing as if you ever remember learning how to drive a clutch car. There's that point where you sit there and let the clutch out until the car slowly starts to creep forward. Well, essentially what you're doing with that foot clutch is you're setting when you've pressed it all the way down, it's at that point where the car is just starting to creep forward, but you're just using numbers in a file and iRacing 
to make that happen. In my extensive experience of pulling away in a single seater, which was once at the Silverstone Experience Center on the Stowe circuit with their Formula Silverstones, I think they're called. Look, um, it, it was so heavy that you had to kind of, it was quite a feat to push the clutch down at all. And then you have to like, wham, 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 right up to full revs and essentially just drop it. <laughs> and I'm sure there's more subtlety involved if you were trying to make a good start. But even to pull away, it was amazing. It was like a frightening amount of power versus clutch that you had to do. All right, interesting. I think I'll give this a go and then we'll revisit it properly. Question from Mike Stoner for you, Matt. This is, this is what you wanted to talk about. As Brad's so fast, ask him about lapping cars. What does he do? What does he hope they will do? And what do they actually do? And uh, Mike also wants to talk about the new DD Fanatec wheel as well. I, I had to edit that bit out at the end of last week, guys, because we'd already gone for an hour. But let's start with your adventures with Blue Flags at Okiyama, Matt. Well, okay, so I'm like opposite Blue Flags here. Because, as you know, although I was not as fast as you at Okiyama, I was not slow either. Uh, but getting taken out on the first lap and having repairs meant that I came out as a lapped driver. And um, in some cases, I could see in the first, first time out, I could see the person ahead of me about half a lap ahead, and I was trying to catch them. But I had some people who were ahead of me on the track, but slower in between us. Some red letter cars. So you were unlapping yourself. So I was unlapping myself, and, and I did so successfully without too much issue. Um, but in my second race, um, I got caught up behind a, a, a battle and um, going into turn one, there was some kind of something that happened. And suddenly I found myself right next to the third guy in the chain, which to be fair to me, he would regularly disappear from the track for more than a second at a time. Oh God, and his I hate car would regularly so fling up and down in the air. Yeah. And he had, he had just let someone buy him as the battle ahead of him was continuing. So down the hill, I've got the run on him, but he swerves over right in front of me and I'm chasing him down the hill and I get on the inside of turn three and I'm halfway down to turn four where I'm fully planning to go all the way around the outside. Cause I know I have the car to do it. And, you know, I caught them up from five or six seconds back. I'm not slower than them. And as, as this is going on, he actually tells me that I'm not allowed to pass. And then while he's invisible, we have a crash <laughs> and he's gone out of the race. I carry on with no damage to my car that I'm aware of. Didn't slow me down at all. And he tells me I'm stupid and I broke my cardinal rule. And I said, not only am I not stupid, you're, You're not stupid. Visible. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure if you look in, if you go back and bother to look in your rule book, you're allowed to over, uh, you're allowed to overtake. You're allowed to unlap yourself. I don't have to just sit behind you in your wake if I'm faster. So Matt, just out of interest, why, why were you behind him, uh, lapped if you were faster? Got what taken was the situation out. there? He, he'd been uh, in the pits. In turn four, someone drove into me because they couldn't use their brakes properly. Okay, so I it's, it's five a totally, minutes of repairs. It's a completely legitimate um, unlapping situation, and it's yeah, not like seems so. Yeah, you know, it's not like you were just dawdling around. And I mean, any unlapping is legitimate. You're allowed to do it regardless of why you're in that position. But it wasn't like you were being particularly impolite. And it sounds like the guy had a, a bad internet connection that was making things worse. If he was jumping up in the air, that's that's the worst kind of not just um, you know 
back marker. It's, that's just the worst kind of iRacing competitor is one that's disappearing and then reappearing. iRacing so. needs to fix that. Uh, there's a couple of things wrong. Sorry, quick diversion. A, just raise the bar on where you're allowed to race. Like if your ping is off the chart and uh, um, there's, there's no vote to kick, is there either, as you would get in some lobbies. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure how that would work. But there should be some way of going, no, that guy's internet connection just isn't good enough to race. The other thing is, why have the graphic where, you know, instead of just disappearing, the car leaps up into the air and then does that little jump up and drop down, which completely takes you out of the sim. It's such a weird kind of stylistic choice. And then, yeah, a car can disappear and then suddenly reappear and you're in an accident. So I would vote for that to be fixed. Yeah, 100%. And sorry, continue with the, the the blue flag. So you would rarely find yourself in that situation. But Matt is perfectly entitled to to get past. But I guess there's a battle. So he's having to battle past one, battle past... At what point can people legitimately say, well, you're not actually getting through this pack. Back, bog off. Yeah, it, it's tricky. I mean, I guess it depends on how long is left in the race, how much you're likely to gain. If you're, you know, if you're off the back of the pack and you're, you know, your last place and you've lost so much time in the original incident that you're never really going to get that much further up... I would say it's kind of your responsibility to unlap yourself as carefully as possible. But it sounds like you were probably doing that anyway. Um, And if there is a battle going on, you know, if it's a battle for one of the lead positions, it's probably good etiquette to not interfere in that too much. But ultimately, you're allowed to. And if in the same way that if you were lapping those cars, it might be sensible for the car that's chasing, you know, the car that's second in the battle, to maybe follow you through, you know, let you through easily and then try and follow you through um, as the, as it would be if you were a backmarker battling someone when the leaders came up to lap you. So blue flags, just normal blue flags. The, you're, you're a bit, we'll try and make it realistic for you, Brad. You've lost both your front wing and back wing and that's why somebody is able to lap you, all right, because I'm sure you're not used to getting normally lapped. In iRacing, what is the rule? What is the etiquette if you get a blue flag? I don't think I don't think there's a well I might be wrong on this there may well be this written in the rule book but I don't think it's like formula 1 where you have a a maximum number of blue flags you can be shown before you're then going to get a penalty I don't remember that being a thing and I think i racing leans on the it's up to the overtaking car to make a safe pass kind yeah. of a rule um so it may well just be written somewhere that you know try not to make it too difficult for the 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 lapping car but I don't know what the what the rules are. In terms of what I would expect from people, basically get out of the way as quick as possible. Um, I, I would be conscious of the fact that they may well be in their own fight. But ultimately, if you're being lapped, it, in my eyes, the more important race is the one that is a lap ahead of you. So you have to take that on board. And if you want to you know, if you want to be as important as the race leaders or the people who are that much further ahead than you, you need to be fast enough to to justify that. And if you're being lapped, maybe just allow that car through without too much trouble. That's probably all I'd ask. I would add predictably. Yes, absolutely. It's really important. I know from the endurance driving just to behave in a very predictable fashion and be very obvious to the overtaking car what you are planning to do, whether you're going to stay on the racing line or whether you're going to move out of the way and to make sure they have the window to react to what you're doing. And one of the worst things that you can do, which I see very frequently, is act in a manner that makes it look like you're letting the car behind through and then just drive straight to the apex regardless. So 
you you probably if you're a lap down you might not have as much extra capacity to be concentrating on everything around you there might be a reason you know you just might not be that good yet um, or maybe you do have that extra capacity and you're just not paying attention to the mirrors but you need to basically not make it look like you're allowing them through and then close the door. If you are adamant, you don't want the leader to pass you on this particular corner, say, say you're in a tight fight with the car in front, then make a pretty clear defensive move, but don't do that for many corners because eventually the leaders are going to get annoyed and just come straight past. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The normal situation for a blue flag is that a much faster car is coming up against the lapped car that's fairly fairly standard and generally those people will kind of know all right yeah i'm I'm slower there's the leader i don't want to slow myself too down too much down too much i'm going to pull over and let them by that situation isn't what matt had matt was unlapping himself i think i think we're agreeing that's valid however matt you must also acknowledge that for that midfield battle it must have been very irritating to have a a fast matt trumpets coming through all blue and and, uh, and messing with their race, even though you were doing perfectly normal stuff? Uh, perhaps. But again, you know, you were six seconds up the road from me, and now I'm right behind you, so Hurry up. I'm quicker. <laughs> yeah. And I'm trying to drive as many laps as possible because if people later in the race were taken out and have taken to the pits and are not coming back out, the more laps I can go around, the higher, the more positions I can regain. And in my absolute defense, when I caught up to the next person, and they asked me what I was doing, and I said, I'm trying to get around the track as fast as possible. He said, I'm in a battle, and there's only a few laps left. And I said, okay, fine. And I just followed him through. Mm. Although I think in this case, he might have been better following Brad's advice because he was unable to make any kind of a pass happen. Yeah, he could have used you to get through, couldn't he? Yeah. All right, confessional time. Consider this shed my confessions booth, all right? And you two can judge me, and listeners can judge me as well on this. In exchange, though... Uh, let's make this a two-way thing. 
we think we've got a good product here with Missed Apex iRacing Podcast. We're enjoying it. The numbers look decent. I'd love to take that to the next level. Please tell your sim racing friends, your sim racing clubs uh, that, uh, or, or any forums that you're on. Just say Missed Apex iRacing Podcast is a, a reasonable listen. Really, word of mouth is the only weapons we've ever had with promoting any of our projects. And what I will do is I will put a shareable link in the show notes so that you can just copy and paste that and go, you know, recommend it on your Facebook, on your Twitter, in your sim forums, on your Reddit, subreddit or whatever. We'd really appreciate that. And the more listeners we get, the more we can do and the more time it kind of justifies in our schedule. We want to start adding videos and live streams to it as well. Um, It's a significant commitment to do that. and, And I'm kind of hoping we can get a bit of momentum with the audio downloads. Missed Apex iRacing Podcast. Tell your friends it made you faster. All right, confession time. I When that guy didn't get away from the start line, he was second on the grid, and the guy in front of me just hit him, and I didn't spot it in time. I jinked to the left. I avoided, actually, those two, but then I collected the car to the left of me, who wasn't expecting me to dart over to the left to, to avoid a stopped car. So he's in the pits. There's about 15 people in the pits, right? I only get a front wing damage. And I managed to get myself back round to the pits. Yet I'm just about the last person to be released from the pits after repairs. So I was devastated about. Didn't know how that worked. But I took the optional repairs as well. The guy who stopped, the guy that was responsible for it, got let out about two laps before me. And I was just, I felt sick at that. I was like, you have caused about 20 people behind you to crash. And look at you going about your merry way. And then I have to watch his name zoom past a couple of times before I get out. I get released from the pits completely coincidentally about five, six laps, uh, five, six seconds ahead of him. So he's on much warmer tyres. That gap closes down. By the time he gets to me, I've I've got pay. And I'm chuckling to myself because I'm going, nah, I, I don't want this to be mega easy. And I'm asking all the questions like, what are the rules? What do I what do I have to do? Like, do I have to lift on a straight to let him by? Maybe no. Maybe that's not reasonable. So I justified it in my head, Brad, what I said. Uh, I said, right, well, I'm going to go about my race because he's, you know, a second behind to like 0.7 seconds behind. If he shows me his nose, if he makes a move, I will allow that move to happen. And that's that was my first approach. Am I bad? No, that's that's OK. I mean, yeah, we're okay. this isn't. This isn't the race leader that's nope. in a tight fight for the lead. This no, is no, someone no. who caused an accident and is, all, is themselves a few laps down. So yeah, yeah. He's just, yeah. Technically, the rules are the same. It's a different situation. There's some context. Here. And then when, when I did see a leader leader coming through, so he got blue flags as well. I let that guy by like no, no problem. Like I couldn't, I moved heaven and earth to let him through. But then I resumed what I was doing. And then I'm like, well, yeah, I'm going about my business. And I think I can stay ahead of him. Um, but then he managed to get close enough. So finally, I was like, okay, he, he showed his nose. He made a move happen. Now, I'm not falling back from him. I'm not obliged to leave him space. I'm entitled to unlap myself. As my tyres warm up, I've then got pace. So I'm showing my nose in every corner. I'm showing my nose down the inside of the hairpin. That might have caused him to lock up. Might have caused him a couple of issues and problems. But what can I do? I'm faster, Brad. I, I love this. This is like looking behind the curtain at what happens <laughs> in, in split two in the middle of the pack yeah. after a crash. It's, it's another world. Yeah, this is the back. So, okay, I'm feeling a bit, I know I'm a bit triggered and I know I'm feeling a bit naughty, but really I've, I'm all right to just go and take my take the lap back and to go and unlap myself, which I eventually I do. I pull off a, a decent move. He gets out of the way. I'm not trying to hit him. I'm not trying to be like that. 
I got past, but I didn't get away. So suddenly I've got all the blue flags again. So I'm like, geez. Well, again, I go, if he doesn't move, I'm going to allow it to happen. But, you know, he's been held up. He's not, he's definitely not happy in this situation. Um, but yeah. And then, and then eventually he gets past me again and we're in the same position. I end up coming back past him and eventually he spins behind me and goes off. And I'm not devastated, but like I've clearly had a massive effect on his race from two or three laps down or whatever it was. I don't think there's a massive problem there. You know, it, the, both of your races were already ruined before that and it sounds like it was his fault in the first place. So I, I don't feel too bad for him. I just, I feel it, you guys were having a fun, exciting battle. I mean, what is exactly the problem? Neither one of you were going to win the race. And, you know, it's not like either one of you were on the lead lap. I just... Okay, well, what's wrong with it is the entire time I was absolutely hoping he was going to bin it either under pressure from me or in my aero wash, and he did, and I was happy. That's what's wrong with it. Yeah, but that's how I feel about everyone on the track in every race. So that's fine. (laughs) Yeah, and you can wish people to have accidents because they're not going to hurt themselves. Yeah, again, I I fail to see the issue as long as your actual driving standards uh, were comported with, and then, you know... If it if it comes about that person who is problematic spins off or has an issue, well, you know, that's iRacing. Let us know. Spanners at mistapex.net, Matt at mistapex.net. That's how you can email us. If I'm I'm happy for you to say, no, Spanners, you were wrong in there. Don't do that. That borders unsportsmanlike behavior. Or I'm I'm also happy to hear if you go, that is unsportsmanlike behavior, but so what? But I don't know, Matt, I generally, we try to be fair. We try to be clean morally, even though you're saying I did nothing wrong. I know my, I know the intent. I know the intent. I made magic crashy wishes and they came true. Yeah, I know. You can get your intent confused with your actions, but it's your actions that matter. And if you didn't chop any noses, if you didn't purposely tap them behind going into turns and turn them around, then, you know. I think you're on solid. I might have the replay, actually. I might do a little highlights reel and let people judge whether they thought I did anything wrong or not. I want to end on a question from a listener, which is a bit of a masterclass drivery type question uh, for Brad. Shall I go to that now, Matt? Or did you have have something to bring to the table? Uh, My only complaint was that in my first race, I really did only get tapped from behind. And my car... I was actually able to keep pace with everybody else, but I still got a meatball flag. This and is, I don't know, has this happened to yeah. other people? Is this a problem they still need to fix? Yeah, this happened to some people. I don't know if you've seen this, Brad, but this did happen to some people in our practice swarm race as well, where the car feels perfectly drivable, but you're getting told to come in. And I'm assuming you get a penalty if you ignore that. I don't know if you do. I'm not sure. I, I think I would be inclined to keep going, um, but I don't know. Maybe someone can tell us if um, if you actually... I've never stayed out when I've had a meatball yeah. flag. And it feels drivable. I have to say, you know, we were complaining about the damage model, especially in the F3. Crashes do seem a bit more survivable now, but I, I really, really dislike it when... It's, it seems to be the rear quarter. If you get a rear quarter tap, even if you stay for the optional repairs, your steering wheel is still at a weird like 45 degree angle or whatever and it's undrivable so don't make me wait there for eight minutes and then let me discover it's undrivable and then i have to spin again and then go back to the pits although um we discovered a little hack for this so if you come out of the pits realize the car is a little bit undrivable or you suspect it's going to be like that even after repairs get all the way back to the pits you see you're nearly at the pits and like properly bin it like absolutely destroy the car get a 10 second tow and allegedly 
this gives you a, a better chance, a full repair. This, this is what this is what the the people are telling me, Brad. Really? Okay. Yeah. So I, I would have thought it would say the car's toast. The, there's too much damage if you do that. But sure. I don't know. Maybe F three is different. Let's see. Let's experiment with it. But it's this. I think it's one particular phenomenon. Is basically where you get the rear suspension crushed. If you make it back to the pits, it just doesn't fix that, and that's what ends up like the car dragging to one side as you pull out. Uh, okay. In that case, uh, yeah, let's let's ask Adam Rosales' question. It's been here for absolutely... It's from January 28th. Sorry, Adam. It's been sitting here, but we never get to it. Uh, when should I be downshifting, says uh, Adam Rosales. He's looking for tips in F3 and the GT3. He's driving the Ferrari. Why do I go through some corners faster in a higher gear when I'm braking the same? Is that engine braking? Turn, turning radius also changes due to gear shift. What RPM should I try and keep a car in when I downshift? I come from a background of racing motorcycles. <laughs> so you're a witchcraft wizardy person. And I typically tend to stay at the top of the RPMs and slam down through the gear, sometimes too fast, and end up locking the rears a bit. On bikes, that helps the rear to step out and assist with turning. Uh, a few questions there, but it seems like it could be a good topic. Yeah, thank you for that, Adam. Yeah, it's really interesting, the use of the use of gearing, especially when he talks about changing the steering angle. Because I've what I've started doing is coming down all but one gear. So if I need to get down to first, I'll come all the way down to second and I'll, I'll save that last little gear change for when I really want to bite in. But I'm not sure if I'm just fooling myself into thinking that's doing anything. So let's talk a bit about downshifting into a corner, Brad. Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. And it's got quite a lot of elements to it. Um, and, and I'll just answer your final little question there spanners you're not being crazy that is actually a a good technique and i'll try and explain why um but to try and put it simply you should be downshifting generally in sync with your deceleration so that might sound obvious but if you're slowing down gently then you won't be changing down through the gears quickly Uh, and conversely if you're braking very hard and the speed is dropping away very very quickly especially in something with very good brakes like a single seater then you'll be coming down through the gears very very quickly Um, and you should be trying to come down to the next gear pretty much as early as possible all these cars have um, systems which prevent you from doing early downshifts so if you click 50 times it's still only going to let you come down to the gear that is appropriate for the speed you're doing. And it's not remembering it. If you do a gear change and you're not ready for it, that's gone. It's not storing it up. No, although yeah. some systems in some real race cars do that. Um, I've, I've raced at one of the Peugeots. I raced at the Nürburgring. If you did an extra gear shift and it was um, it was denied, if you had a denied shift, yeah. it would then do it once the speed got to the correct point. But no, <laughs> in iRacing uh, and in most cars, that isn't the case. You can just click as many times as you want effectively mm. and you'll end up in the correct gear for the speed you're doing because it will just n- knock it into gear, um, you know, dependent on whether or not it's going to damage the engine effectively. And what that's going to do is um, give you engine braking, effectively a little bit more rear braking during the, the downshift phase. Um, just from you know the drag of the engine without and, penalty, so that's just like a, a tool at our disposal. Yeah, absolutely, without penalty, because the only real penalty would be if it didn't have this safety system which prevented early downshifts. You'd be locking the rears, like Adam mentioned on the motorbike. Um, but because you can't really do that in iRacing, racing, if you're locking the rears, it's because of the brakes, not really because of the downshift, and not because of the gear shift. Um, it, there's not a lot of penalty to it at all. The only thing which can be a penalty is if you are not paying attention to how many downshifts you're doing. If you are just carelessly clicking 10 times on every braking zone, you might not know what gear you're in. 
and knowing which gear you're aiming to get to by the apex or you know by the end of the braking zone is quite important because it's possible to effectively have a denied shift you think you've gone down to second gear for example actually you're in third and that means when you get to the final part of the turn it might not turn in as well you know in your example you used where you do that extra downshift to help the car yeah, turn. save it, it might till not the end do yeah. that yeah it might try and um it's effectively like having the diff a bit too loose it, it just won't allow it won't make the car um do exactly what you want it to do sorry too tight um and basically you need to know that when you get on the power you're in the right point uh, in the rev range that you're actually going to have some some power when you get on the throttle um so adam asked about what revs should you be looking at basically you need to keep the car in the power band um that's why you're changing down through the gears you could just go through every corner in sixth gear if you wanted but you won't have very much power available when you then step on the throttle okay, so. so we've got two things basically is one give ourselves a bit of engine braking by changing down basically when it will let you as you're braking and the second thing is preparation for the acceleration zone matt well i had wanted to ask and again just going back to okiyama because i actually did this a couple of times going into the hairpin which is actually called hairpin at the end of the back straight uh, sometimes I would be going in a little bit hotter and the car would be understeering. And most times I would roll the first part of that turn in, in second gear. But sometimes I would actually downshift into first to get the front to really bite. And then without using the accelerator, shift back into second so that on acceleration, I would have better traction because you it's a very easy place to spin up the yeah. rears. Is that an okay, should I be doing that? Is that something I should be thinking about in turns like that? It's actually a reasonably common thing, even with the good drivers. I don't tend to do that. Hey, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. Even with the good driver. How dare you, Matt? Okay, I I mean, I was actually thinking in particular of of one driver (laughs) who uh, wins all the F1 races. Um, Ugo Lotti, his name is. He's very, very fast. But uh, we've noticed him doing this. But it's not necessarily, you you don't tend to go down one gear too many you don't tend to go down to a gear that won't allow you to get on the throttle you tend to go down to a gear that might require quite an early upshift so for example it might be that the moment you get on the throttle in first gear in your example you then need to go up to second but there should there would normally be some element of throttle application before you do the second one if you're finding that you're going down to first you're coasting around and then you're clicking up to second before you've even got on the throttle that would tend to suggest that you're one gear too low mm. and that second should have been enough because second was allowing you to go the correct speed for the corner. This is sounding very complicated and boring. No, but- no, no. We're, we're, we're following. It's, it's, it's all good. Even, you know, just discussing these things gets your mind ticking about it. And, and I'm identifying a difference with how I take that corner map because perhaps I'm slower at the apex. I'm breaking and turning down to first all the way around the apex. And I was quite, I was quite comfortable actually getting away in in first gear well you do get to second gear reasonably quickly um but one thing that i I struggled with when we first started doing this was remembering an almost instant downshift so almost the second you start braking from say sixth gear in the f3 you want to start pulling on, on the gears and if you don't if you miss a beat and you're behind on those gear shifts and then you realise it, you suddenly go, oh my God, it's gonna under- I'm going to overshoot the apex here. Like it really makes a difference to late braking. Yeah, if you, if you have a denied shift just at the point where you need yes. the car to be really turning in, it does, it does affect it. It feels like the car's pushing you on into the corner because yeah. you're just not decelerating 
quite as much as you were expecting. You don't have the the rear of the car kind of dragging you backwards and helping you get the nose in. Yeah. Um, it, oh, it right. So you, you you I've just realised something that's happening then because I'm kind of guessing. You know, I, I hit the brake and I'm going ding, 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 wait, ding, the last one. Do you like my ding sound? Do you like my gear change sound? Um, but I'm guessing. I'm trying to kind of I get into a rhythm of what feels right. But I guess every now and then I will just pull it too early, not really realise nothing's happened and I'm essentially have given up a little bit of engine braking and that's why I've not made that corner or made the apex on that occasion. Yeah, the ideal time to pull that downshift paddle is exactly the moment or a fraction of a second after the car will allow the gear to go in. So obviously you don't want to be clicking it too early because nothing will happen. Yeah. And you don't want to be doing it too late because you're going to get less engine exactly. braking effect. But, but if, if, you, if you pull it and, and nothing happens, you might not realise if you've, you're not got attuned, if you're not attuned to being a race driver, you don't realise it, it has. Is there any way visually or is there any tip on sensing when to do it? Yeah, well, visually, you can see the number on the screen in front of you. And I always have my gear dial deliberately. The iRacing overlay, I have that right in the centre of the screen because it's so important to know if it's gone into the gear that you want it to. Especially in the Formula 1 car, you're changing down from eighth gear down to second sometimes. There's yeah. a lot of gear changing going on. You need to know it's done it. Um, and uh, and you can also hear, you know, you can yeah. you can hear every time it goes down. You You don't necessarily always know because you might be concentrating on something different but that that's how you would tell um and and just making sure you judge it correctly is probably the safest way so like you said you get a feel for it Mm. but if you're finding that you're clicking and it's not going in just try and remember it and just do it slightly later next time so really kind of pay attention to right i'm breaking so part of my routine now is looking at that six and making sure it goes to a five when i think it's going to uh... Yeah, you don't necessarily have to do it all the way through mm-hmm. the braking zone, but at the point, maybe near the end, just a quick glance to make sure it has done what you asked it to is, is probably quite sensible. I don't know how you guys judge how many downshifts to pull, whether, whether you're looking for a number yeah. or whether you're counting them. I'm, but... I, ca- I count them. I count them. I just count the, the I, I count the amount of uns from the engine that I get. We have one of our crew for the map series, our, our race control administrator. It's not useful to name names, but Richard Molden has uh, an audible sound come up and that says like four, five. And then as he goes down, it says like four, three, two, one, all the way down. I mean, anything that helps, I guess. But that is weird. <laughs> Richard, you're weird. He has the racing line on too, doesn't he? He does. He's, oh my God, right, okay. Okay, that, okay that, I don't want this to come across as a personal attack. I'm sure there's perfectly valid reasons to have the racing line on. Some people like it. Some people like having it. And iRacing does allow it in the officials. So you could argue that's a perfectly valid form of iRacing. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, I mean, how many how many bowling, like 10-pin bowling matches do you need to do before it starts looking a bit silly that you've still got the bumpers up? Right, yeah. I, and also, to me, it would, just, it would take me out of the sim, Matt, personally. That's why I wouldn't do it. Um, but I... On the other hand, if you don't have the time to nail down every single brake marker, it does include that information with it. With the kids, it includes it includes yeah. what it thinks is a brake marker, but it doesn't actually mean it's the right one. That's the, another thing. So you won't you'll tend to learn less, I think, if you've got the racing line on. This isn't a personal attack on Richard. This is <laughs> know, just in sorry. general. Um, I, there because there is no prescribed. This is the right place to brake. This is the right line. Yeah. It's it's kind of 
it's not a, a definite thing that iRacing can prescribe. So yeah. it, it stops you from working it out and exercising that part of your racing well, brain. Well, this is why I didn't name any names because I didn't want it to seem like an attack. So I've, I'm covered. I was just going to say, based on some of the people I was racing with this week, it would seem that braking is entirely optional in the game, but that's just <laughs> me. So, uh, hey, Brad, can I ask real quick, am I correct in assuming that that extra gear shift as you're trying to turn the car into the apex helps the front bite because you're just shifting more weight back to the front wheels? Um, that's part of it. You're also decelerating slightly more, but I think of it like this. If you're pushing a, a shopping trolley, along and you were to kind of gently i know you can't have both feet off the floor at the same time but if you had three legs and you were to tap both rear wheels on your shopping trolley with your feet it would kind of really slow the rear and it would allow the front to, yeah. to point in more easily if you had a steering wheel on the front of the shopping trolley it just uh, you're right it's putting more weight on the front because any deceleration is putting more weight on the front um and you know going slower in general will allow the front tires to to turn in more easily so, so it, it's just it's yeah. like having more rear brake bias for a split second, basically. Okay. Excellent. I'm so glad you asked that question, Matt. So it's not the fact that it's first in particular. I could go all the way to third, save that second, shift down to second, and I would just get that momentary kind of weight shifting forward and deceleration getting it turned in. Okay, that's really useful to know. So it isn't necessarily, oh, it's because I need to come down an extra gear to get that grip and turn in. Oh, okay, good. At the end of the braking zone, yeah. you probably don't need immediate extra braking because you're already going quite slow. At the beginning of the braking zone, yeah. the early downshifts are helping you scrub off that speed as fast as possible. Oh, as so you slow down more, your rate of deceleration tails off. So that's why your gear shifts, your downshifts become more spread out. So I'll do a sound effect in a, in a Formula One car where the brakes are very good and you're slowing down very quickly yeah. and you've got a lot of gears. It's very short quick gear changes that then get further apart so like down 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 because you're not slowing down as quickly towards the end of the braking zone and so it's not as crucial to be into the next downshift as early as you possibly can because you actually don't need necessarily that extra engine braking purely for deceleration if you can save it for a little bit of extra turning like you're mentioning that might be an extra tool for you this is excellent and i love how you made a downshift into an onomatopoeia when you wouldn't think the word down is one of those good yeah Yeah. that will have confused everyone i'm not reading it off a teleprompter you know i knew that's my own there's my own words matt my own words no no you are not Last thing on braking and going down the gears for me is choosing your choosing your final gear. Found uh, a lot of the corners. Uh, uh, our friend Danny will yell at us. Just try not uh, try a higher gear. So a lot of times you go, oh, I can do this corner both in second and in third, and and very often not going to the lower gear has gained lap time, and I just don't know why. I've just done it because Danny said to do it. Yeah, that's, that's really simple. It means that using the lower gear, you're over-slowing the car. So uh, in these examples, it, it might be, well, it will definitely be easier to get the car to turn in and go where you want it to in the lower gear because you're going slower. To be in that lower gear, you're, you're necessarily having to be at a lower speed to allow it. But that might not be the quickest way. It, uh, it may well be just, it's just like braking too much. Right. If you go into any corner and you brake more than you need to, yeah. It'll be easier to get through the corner, <laughs> but you won't be fast. So it's okay. exactly the same principle. I feel kind of stupid now, but it's always worth experimenting, I think, and just going, can I go through that corner? I've, okay, I've been going through it in second. I'll try it 
in third for a couple of laps and see what happens. Yeah, I've got a, a personal example from today, this week in the iRacing GP series. It's Road America. Turn one is a really fast right-hander. It's much more yep. comfortable to go down three gears, um, but it's faster to go down two. So you're hanging on, you're carrying more speed, and therefore you're you're risking a bit more on the exit, touching a curb or running onto the grass. But ultimately, it is quicker just to go down two and carry the speed. Awesome. We've learned things, Matt. We've used Brad's expertise for our personal gain and that of our listeners. Yes. And this is my favorite part about being invited on this show is I can just ask Brad the questions directly. I think we do. Do you think me and Matt can ever can we can we do it? Can we get to split one pace in F3? Uh, I'm surprised you guys aren't already in split one Aww. because you're you're safe. That hurts. You yeah, do yeah. it a lot. No, I, no, I don't mean it like that. I mean, I'm surprised your I rating isn't yeah. as high because I feel like your your driving standards uh, are comfortably back of the grid split one. They say, I'm damning you with faint praise. I don't I, mean I, to No, you. honestly, I would love to be like ping-ponging. If I'm ping-ponging between top and second split, then I, I would be happy. I, I think both Matt and I, uh, well, certainly I do, I've been struggling with time. So there are some weeks like this week where I really put some time into it. And then I got taken out in five of six races and I'm, I'm pretty That's... sure none of them were my fault. Yeah, I went from over 2,000 to under 1,900 in two races. Yeah, so this this explains it. I was just about to say, I, I'm not sure why you guys don't have higher I rating, but it's this. It's it's the F3 because effect. We, we the only, fact that I only do F3 competitively. In a crashy yeah. series, and so you're just hemorrhaging I rating, often through absolutely no fault of your own. So I'm just going to keep encouraging you to come and join me <laughs> in Formula One cars because it's safe. Pete, the etiquette is really good. Everybody seems to know each other and nobody wants to be the one that's caused an accident. So yeah. you can get your head around the car, you'll gain bucket loads of I rating. And the races are very high rated as well. You'll probably always be in split one and you'll be gaining 100 I rating each time if you just finish the race. Fair enough. And if, if the aim of the game was just to get high I rating, which it is for like the likes of yourself and Kyle, we would probably just drop F3 like as quick as we, as quick as as quick as you could because it's a nightmare but actually at the moment my current ambition is to do well and to progress and to get better in general within the f3 series so actually matt losing a ton of i rating five races worth of being binned off this week it kind of means i'm where i should be for a competitive race so it's going to keep me in split two split three which is kind of that that's right for my development so i'm not i'm not overly upset uh the i rating loss yeah, well, you, you begin to develop different skills, I suppose. It's more overtaking if you're in split three and then in split two, you're trying to hang on to the aliens that haven't quite made it to split one. I don't know. It's, it's all something right we, We've run well over time. <laughs> the time's and just I haven't away. even really asked my setup it. questions yet. Oh, I know. Amazing. What? Oh, no. Okay, well, put them in the notes and we'll save them for next week. Follow Brad on YouTube. Search for Brad Philpot on there and you can watch presumably a replay of you live building your rig how long did that take it was much quicker than my previous rig for a couple of reasons one when you've done when you've done it once you kind of know the pitfalls the materials were slightly better as well so the the screws and the ball bearing t nuts or whatever they're called were just easier to use and change um, when i got it wrong so probably five and a half hours but there was also a, i've also done another live stream which you can watch back if you care which was the first drive first yeah. impressions of the new rig all that kind of thing okay so. so watch all five hours without skipping forward okay and i'm only allowing that last little all oh, the materials are better on the sim lab one because you're sending me the keyboard holder so i'm happy days with that uh, matt trumpets at matt pt 55 
on Twitter. Me, at Spanners Ready. The show is at iRacing Podcast. I think we're good to go, Matt. Sounds good to me. Looking forward to next week. Until next week, then. Work hard, be kind, unless that guy took you out on the grid, in which case harass him all the way around, even though you've got blue flags. Not my fault. He's spot- I never touched him, Gov. I never touched him. Can't prove anything. And that is the official brand new tagline of ending of this podcast. See you later, guys. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.